We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we look at Judaism through the lens of pop culture and pop culture through the lens of Judaism. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I am Rabbi Michael of House Noth. You can't tell. We are talking about the Amazon streaming series, The Rings of Power, the uh, prequel, prequel, prequel to The Lord of the Rings. Uh, Mike, since I can't even try to explain what the show is, why don't you tell us what the show is all about? Well, Jesse, the world has changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. Much that once was is lost, for none now live who remember it. I have no idea what the hell you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That is uh, Galadriel's opening monologue from uh, the uh, prologue to the first Lord of the Rings film, uh, The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, And Galadriel, of course, is the main character of this new series on Amazon Prime. As you said, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. It's a little bit of a cumbersome title, but essentially what this series is, um, is a, uh, a, a, like you said, a prequel to uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, in books and movies. And uh, and like you said, a prequel of the prequel, because in some ways, The Hobbit, even though it was published before the Lord of the Rings, um, is a, a, a prequel uh, to the Lord of the Rings. So this is a prequel of a prequel. And in the cinematic universe, they expanded The Hobbit into a trilogy as well. Correct. That is true. Uh, A very divisive uh, choice in fandom. Uh, I would say actually not particularly divisive, largely derided choice uh, in Lord of the Rings fandom uh, or Tolkien fandom. Uh, And and, and this show uh, tells the story of how the Rings of Power, uh, most notably the One Ring, uh, the the Ring of Power, uh, came into being, uh, uh, forged by the Dark Lord Sauron himself in the fires of Mount Doom, meant to bend all of the other rings of power that were given to the elves, to the dwarf lords, and to the men, uh, the kings of men who most of all desire power, uh, that uh, this one ring was crafted by the Dark Lord Sauron secretly in the fires of Mount Doom to bend all of the other, uh, the wills of all the other rings and those who possess them to his will. Uh, As we learn in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, Sauron crafts this wing. He, uh, uh, as Galadriel says in that prologue, uh, pours into that ring uh, his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate all life. uh, And with it, uh, uses it to conquer all of Middle-earth. But a, a... Um, an alliance of men and elves stand up uh, against Sauron and the power of the ring. They are against all odds able to defeat him. Uh, The the heir to the throne of men is Yildur, uh, cuts off the ring of power from Sauron's hand, causing Sauron to be destroyed. The ring survives and with it Sauron's life force um, and uh, uh, Isildur has a chance to destroy the ring, does not. 
uh, and uh, and then uh, 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 is killed. The ring survives, is eventually uh, captured by uh, Smeagol, who becomes Gollum, uh, and then uh, won in a game of riddles by Bilbo Baggins, the Hobbit, uh, and then passed on to uh, Bilbo's nephew, Frodo, uh, who then is charged in the Lord, Lord of the Rings trilogy with the quest to destroy the One Ring in the fires of Mount Doom, uh, whereas the, the only place where it can be destroyed- uh, One before, Ring to rule before, them all. Exactly, before the Dark Lord Sauron is able to uh, reclaim it and come back to power. So this prequel series uh, takes us into the process of, uh, of, of the Dark Lord Sauron uh, coming to power in the first place and forging those rings. It follows uh, Galadriel, who is a character, uh, a, a sort of a bit character in a way uh, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, but, uh, but her role, uh, as well as uh, the elf Elrond's role, who's also in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, because elves uh, are essentially immortal beings, uh, their role in the process of forging these rings, and how basically Middle-earth got to the place it was uh, in the uh, by the time of The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, in it, it is essentially, though, a work of fan fiction, large-scale fan fiction, uh, because it is based mostly off of appendices in the- Very short appendices. Very short appendices to the Lord of the Rings. Um, it is, uh, it, it, it uh, bears connection to some other writings of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, like the Silmarillion, uh, which is essentially like uh, Tolkien's Bible of Middle-earth, very dense, but the, uh, uh, the showrunners, uh, do not have the rights to that book and several other uh, books of Tolkien's. Uh, so they uh, are essentially building off of uh, sketches in appendices in Lord of the Rings to, to kind of tell this story of how the Rings of Power came to be. Um, it is uh, designed as a five uh, season arc of uh, storytelling. Uh, that five-season arc is reported to be upwards of uh, over a billion dollars uh, in cost to Amazon. Uh, that's chump change to Jeff Bezos, I guess, uh, but it makes it, uh, I think, the most expensive or at least one of the most expensive TV shows ever produced. Per episode, um, yeah. And it is now uh, Amazon Prime Video's uh, most watched uh, series ever. Um, and I think personally for good reason, but Jesse, you're much more of a Tolkien uh, novice, much less of a Lord of the Rings head. I'm curious to know what you thought of the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. I couldn't get into it. Um, I acknowledge like I am not a, a huge Tolkien fan. I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I saw the trilogy, um, which I guess came out now over 20 years ago. The, the Lord right. of the Rings, the first, the first, Peter Jackson uh, movies. The first of Peter Jackson's movies came out in 2001. <clears throat> and uh, 2001. Um, I didn't love them. I, I, I appreciated the cinematography and I appreciated, uh, how cutting edge some of the CGI was, especially, uh, the use of motion capture technology at the time they were at the forefront of motion capture technology with Andy Serkis and, and Gollum, right. That, that, uh, Marvel and DC ha have really expanded on the use of that since. Um, so, so has James Cameron and avatar, that sort of thing. That sort of that. That being said, 
I, I thought the cinematography was great. I didn't love the trilogy and I, I really couldn't get into the Hobbit at all. This I thought was very slow at the beginning. Um, while there were places, places towards the end of the series that it picked up, it was very slow. Uh, and so for me, as somebody who wasn't a diehard, um, what was it? It was difficult for me to get into. And I think that uh, for it, it was, you know, this most watched Amazon streaming show ever. Uh, was it watched because people were ready to criticize it? If you look at like Rotten Tomatoes, it has 84% positive review, a 39% uh, uh, fan review. Um, audience score. Now that could be because of internet troll and bashing. Uh, like many of the Marvel projects that we've talked about, there were um, many uh, internet trolls that were upset by the diversity of the cast. Right. For example, uh, that if you're not all white men, then um, all these you know fanboys who live in their mother's basement can't deal with it. Right. Uh, but I I also think uh, it may have been too large of an undertaking. I thought the cast was too large for me, who is not a diehard fan uh, to have interest in the characters. I'd hear, you know, see a story of a character and the story would pause and I wouldn't pick up with that character until two or three episodes later. Um, and, and so I thought uh, it was too large of a cast for uh, character development, similar to like uh, my criticism of Marvel's The Eternals, right? When you're introducing too many cast members at a time, uh, I don't have investment in any of them. Right, but I think that the benefit of uh, of having a five season arc uh, sketched out for the show means that there is uh, that that they've allotted plenty of time uh, to uh, to get into and get invested in each one of these characters. I, I found myself in the first couple of episodes feeling a little bit similarly that we were kind of all over the map in in Middle Earth. Um, there were just a lot of a lot of characters to 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 think about and care about, most of whom had names that were difficult to uh, pronounce, or many of whom at least had names that were difficult to pronounce. Um, and, you know, uh, curious why we were asked to be investing in these characters. That becomes, I think, more clear over the uh, the span of the uh, of the eight episodes of the first season. Um, this this is a season that, uh, this is a series, I would say, that is, I think, in in no real rush to tell its story. Um, which I appreciate um, uh, because I think that that actually honors the source material of, of the Lord of the Rings. I think Tolkien uh, tends to take his time. Uh, I think which that, is also it, why I wasn't such a fan of the books. Right. It, you know, the, the uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's a de delicate balance to find because uh, I think one of the deserved criticisms of Peter Jackson's Hobbit trilogy um, is that he, you know, took too much time for that story uh, it didn't. It was a story that didn't need three three movies to to and 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 it was you know filled with a lot of stuff um, that that was not necessary to the storytelling that didn't that didn't really advance the storytelling but was just you know an an, an attempt um, I think to you know make more money on an additional movie um, I think it maybe could have been two movies but 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 three is a stretch uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy it was it was a difficult task. And a real gamble at the time. I mean, unbelievable gamble when you think about it at the time. Peter Jackson was a relatively unknown filmmaker. Uh, the Lord of the Rings was was generally seen uh, to be unadaptable in a lot of ways, uh, except for maybe in animation. Um, uh, people were 
uncertain about the technology uh, and uh, high fantasy really didn't have a much of an audience in uh, in, in cinema, um, you know, really for, for a long time at that point. And it, and it came right after the Star Wars prequel trilogy had, you know, started being released. And that was really bombed for the technology because uh, at the time, right. um, uh, George Lucas was so committed to using green screens and the technology right. wasn't quite there yet um, where uh, Peter Jackson shot on location as much as possible. Right. And, I, and I think that that's one of the reasons, you know, I, as I was watching um, the Rings of Power, I went back and, and rewatched the um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I found the movies to, especially the technological aspects of them to, to hold up exceptionally well um, you know, there are some places where where I could see, okay, you know, like this is a CGI cut, uh, and um, and 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 that's showing its age a little bit. But those were really few and far between. And I thought, for the most part, uh, his 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 balance of uh, of of you know real sets and 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 location shooting uh, with with, uh, with with CGI was was um, and, and and practical effects um, were were really great. Um, but but I, my point was about uh, the the original trilogy, uh, the movie trilogy, um, is that arguably that could have been even more movies. Like you could have made a whole series. Like if 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 the if streaming were a thing back then, and maybe we'll find we'll see that you know in 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 time to come, maybe they'll remake the the movie series as a as a TV series because there's more that could have been explored in those and already. You know, each of those films was over two hours long. There are extended versions that are over three hours long. I, I rewatched the extended versions and I found myself, you know, utterly compelled by them, you know, from start to finish, uh, it, you know, except for really, and this is how I felt at the end of Return of the King, that um, uh, that there was, you know, one too many endings perhaps. But uh, but for the most part, I, I I did not, you know, feel like they they were sluggish at all. And I felt like that in this in this show too. I felt like it was telling a lot of story. It was taking its time to tell it. But to me, it didn't feel like it it dragged. I felt I felt like they they have so many characters, so much time uh, that they're uh, a time period of you know a thousand years that they're covering in the telling of the story, um, and uh, so many locations to 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 explore um, uh, so much backstory to tell uh, that I was that I was okay with the pacing that they that the that the showrunners chose. I, I think for you as a fan, that may work. Uh, somebody who doesn't go into it as a diehard fan in the way I am with other uh, properties, um, it, it did feel like it dragged for me personally. At times, I wasn't as invested with the characters. I do think it's interesting, as you said, that because Amazon made a commitment already to a five-season series, they didn't have the pressure to tell a story too quickly to get viewers hyped, right? Like, I, I actually wonder if Jeff Bezos could care less about what the ratings of the show are, right? You got five seasons to tell your story and that's that, regardless of the viewership. It'll be interesting to see if the viewership drops um, in season two because of audience criticism in season one, whether it was right or wrong for that criticism, how that will influence production going forward i do know that they already are moving production from new zealand's um which apparently was, was right that's where peter jackson films the trilogies uh to the uk which apparently is more affordable for amazon studios uh for season two yeah interesting uh you know i i so i don't i since they've already made the investment i'm not i'm not sure what that 
pretends. Um, you know, what I what I would say is, you know, I think that a lot of the um, audience uh, uh, reaction that I've heard, I mean, I've heard actually from, you know, from, you know, my my uh, circle of, of Tolkien heads um, and, and the critics that I follow um, exceedingly positive things about it. Um, and I, you know, just my personal experience watching it was was really positive. Uh, but you're right. There, there was some fan backlash about the diversity of the cast, um, as though Tolkien himself uh, didn't uh, uh, didn't feature uh, prominent, strong female characters. Yeah, that um, I have no patience for. Right, that's the same. Those, those are the same guys who had backlash against She-Hulk and had backlash right. against Captain Marvel. Like, and, I have no right, patience. and you know, and and we're um we're we're dealing with uh with uh with with mythical characters. Uh, it like. I could care less if an elf is black or white because they don't really exist, right? So, um, you know, give me beautiful elves of whatever race, color, and creed, and I will, I will eat it up, right? It doesn't matter to me. Dwarves too. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? Um, and and I think that, that that's actually a, a, a fair criticism that has been made about uh, Tolkien's original work that there's a fair amount of, um, uh, I think, probably unconscious. On Tolkien's part, but unconscious uh, racism and Orientalism that is present in those books, reflecting the 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 time and the place in which sure. Tolkien was was writing, right? And I actually think that they address that uh, in the show, not only in the casting but in the storytelling. Uh, so, you know, for example, uh, in uh, in in the Hobbit and in the Lord of the Rings, uh, in in the books and and also in the movies, um, the 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 orcs are. Uh, have, have no depth of character. They are uniformly evil, uh, uniformly like ugly on the inside and out, uh, and, uh, and 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 uniformly dark skinned. Uh, and in this uh, series, uh, we see actually much more uh, shade and depth to the. Which, by the way, which I think is like where where the well-deserved criticism of Tolkien uh, uh, comes in uh, it, because there's, there's clear racial overtones, uh, in, in the orc characters. Um, but this series, uh, I think is actually giving us, uh, orcs with, with some depth and backstory, um, and, and, and dare I say sympathy, which I think is actually really makes it much more complex. The, you know, so, uh, as the series goes on, and by the way, we, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, the, the series just ended a couple of weeks ago as we're recording this. So, um, the season, I mean, it just ended as we're recording this. Uh, so we're going to talk about all the episodes with spoilers, but as we see and we learn, uh, uh, you know, something that we knew in the Lord of the Rings um, is that uh, that the orcs begin as uh, elves that were kidnapped by uh, the predecessor of Sauron, um, a, a sort of demigod uh, named Morgoth, uh, who, uh, who who kidnaps them and and. Uh, tortures them and manipulates them and corrupts them in order to create a, a new race of, of creatures. Um, and, uh, and, and so uh, uh, one uh, uh, in, in later episodes of the series, we see that um, that one of those original kidnapped elves um, identifies himself as the father of the, of the orcs who he says, you know, we don't, we don't call ourselves orcs. We prefer the term, the term Uruk. Um, uh, because orc is derogatory, uh, and in sure. all we want, right. And he says like, we are created, you know, by, uh, by the Eldar, the same as you, right. To, to Galadriel, the elf, right. Like we, 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 have we not all one father, right. In the, in the words of the prophets, right. Did not the same God create us all? Why are orc lives 
um, less important than elf lives. Or and why are you lives, and, and why are you lives. judging me based on my my ethnicity or identity, not based right. on my right. the content or, of my and, character? And so and so like a dark. This is, I think, one of the things that you know Marvel at its best at its best does really well, right? When you say like Thanos had a point. Right, Killmonger had a point, and to say like you know, uh, Adar in this movie was a new character created in the show, um, the the father of the Uruk, um, that uh, that that he has a point. Like the orcs deserve life and a home, just the same as everybody else. Now, the way they might go about establishing that is maybe uh, um, unsavory and uh, and and quest morally questionable, um, but you know. Uh, I, and again, this is going to be a controversial thing to say, but you see that, you know, see that present in liberation movements um, in, in our own time, right? Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it involved um, uh, not an insignificant amount of uh, violence for, uh, for the Jewish people, uh, for the Jewish people to establish its own uh, 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 now flourishing uh, homeland and sovereign state in, in the land of Israel. Um, you know, is that is that uh, how, where do we land on that, morally speaking? Um, so I think that this show raises that kind of question for us to to consider and ask. Yeah, to me, what the show does well um, is dealing with, and I think the Lord of the Rings saga in general is more so dealing with the temptation of evil and the relationship between evil and power, um, less so about the idea of. Uh, discrimination and needing power to avoid discrimination and being discriminated against, and more so with the desire to have power and, and the temptation of power. Who doesn't want more power, but often what comes with that power um, and, and the relationship between darkness and, and evil and power? Well, right. And, and I think that the, you know, the question is uh, uh, power in the service of what, right? Um, you know, so I think that, that that the show really does raise that question, right? So, you know, one of the central questions um, uh, that that's really kind of unexplained in many ways uh, in the uh, original Lord of the Rings trilogy um, is, you know, how is it that the wise elves, um, who are essentially immortal beings, you know, uh, direct descendants of the gods, how do they succumb to the power? Uh, how are they manipulated into uh, uh, by Sauron into succumbing to the power of the ring? Right, men desire power, uh, but but you know how do the elves? Right, and the show. I think you know uh, I don't uh, I don't know enough about the the uh, folklore right of Middle Earth, but my right. understanding is that elves uh, are by definition not as even if they are are immortal to an extent, they're not as powerful of beings. Um, in the the totem pole of society, they're not white. Well, no. Well, they're they're in the totem pole of society. They're actually the most powerful, I would say, um, except for um, except for uh, the um, uh, uh, characters like Sauron and and Gandalf, like these these rare. Uh, they're called Maiar uh, that are that are you know that that have these magical you know, extraordinary magical powers. But above them, really, in the mythology, are are only gods. But I would say, right, so, okay, so they have, uh, they don't have, um, they, they certainly don't have unlimited power. Uh, but they have they more have, power than humanity. Right, they have more power than humanity, but they but they don't seem to lack for anything, right? And, uh, and, and so the, so the question is, okay, you know, do they, do they, uh, uh, um, are they, are they manipulated by Sauron because just like men, they want more power? 
the show su- suggests that you know that, that they are manipulated because of fear. They're afraid of uh, of, of of dying out, um, and uh, and and there's a real threat, uh, like a, an exist. They face an existential threat of dying out, and they see the forging of the rings um, as a, as as a as a path to their salvation. Now that's a really interesting question, right? Um, uh, uh, how much of our uh, how, how easily can we be manipulated when we are uh, basing our decisions uh, off of our own uh, fears and 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 sense of existential threat? Um, I mean, that it, it, is the democratic crisis our country right. is facing, right? right? That that that. Uh, People who strive for power are willing to say anything or do anything and go to extremes. Uh, and people who have specific needs are willing to ignore serious threats from political leaders as long as those political leaders meet their needs, right? That those who are right-wing religious radicals do not care that the politicians that they support are really antithetical to what they view a moral and ethical religious person to be as long as they make abortion illegal right as long as they try to deny a queer person the right to celebrate their marriage um that that's all that they care about um and and so the question is uh at what cost are you willing to pay for that power that you seek Right. So uh, I, I will say two things about that. The first is uh, the character uh, the, throughout the whole season, the first the whole, the whole first season, um, we don't uh, knowingly meet the character of Sauron until the very last episode. Um, uh, we, and that last episode more... is when the rings of power, the titular rings of power are finally revealed. Uh, at least three of them. Um, the, the ones, the ones uh, uh, forged for the elves. Gotcha. Um, but uh, uh but we're but we're kind of left guessing uh, in those early episodes, right? Does Sauron even exist? Is it a figment of Galadriel's imagination? That's what some of the other elves think, and some other people think. Um, uh, we, we don't know, uh, but there's a sense that probably, but that we, I mean, we the viewer know that uh, Sauron is going to emerge at some point because the show is about the forging the rings of power, and Sauron does it. We don't know. Uh, uh, how Sauron is going to emerge or, or or whether he's a character that we've already been introduced to. But I called it, uh, I just want to state it for the record, I called it that it was going to be uh, the, uh, the the human character, Halbrand, uh, who saves uh, Galadriel from drowning um, in, uh, in uh, the, the Sundering Sea uh, when he says the following thing to her uh, in prison in the, um, in the mortal kingdom of Numenor. So he says this. You're speaking another language. Right <laughs> <laughs> okay. Halbrand is a character. Galadriel is a character. Numenor is a uh, is a place that is only kind of hinted at uh, in uh, in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, as as the kind of like uh, mythical realm um, of of where the highest uh, of men come from. So the kingdom of Gondor uh, that is the last best hope for uh, humanity. Uh, that uh, you know, where Aragorn, who uh, returns as the king of Gondor, right? These are the men of Numenor. Um, uh, 
Uh, so Numenor eventually is is destroyed, and uh, and and uh, what the, what remains of them, uh, what remains of their kingdom, is the kingdom of Gondor in Middle Earth. Um, sorry, backstory. Uh, Galadriel is uh, the uh, the high elf character uh, who is uh, hunting Sauron uh, and trying to destroy him with a vendetta against Sauron because Sauron killed her her brother. Um, anyway, she's in prison in Numenor with Halbrand. Halbrand eventually is revealed to actually be Sauron. Uh, and, but before we know he's Sauron, several episodes before we know he's Sauron, Halbrand says this to Galadriel, you do well to identify what it is your opponent most fears. Give them a means of mastering it so that you can master them. And that I think is exactly what you're saying, Jesse, that, that uh, the, the rise of authoritarianism uh, uh, is is precisely following that playbook, right? That that if you can de- if you can determine uh, what people most fear and give them a sense that through your help they can master that fear or push back against that fear, then you control them, and it's a means of control. So that's why um, that's why all of a sudden, weeks before every election, there's a caravan coming across right. the border, right, right. Uh, of of dangerous immigrants. Who are here to hurt us, right? That that is the political message that a single party is trying to teach um, and trying to push. Uh, because when you stoke the flames of fear, you are also able to, uh, as you're saying, uh, control what they do, what they support. Right. But the challenge, of course, Jesse, you know, and, and what the show kind of reveals is that it's not that it's not at least in the show that the fears are unfounded. Right, like Galadriel um, is afraid of this rising evil um, and is is easily manipulated in some ways uh, uh, to be blind to it when it's right in front of her face uh, as she you know forms a relationship with Halbrand, who ends up being Sauron um, because uh, because she thinks that it's going that that he's going to be useful to her in fi- in finding and defeating uh, uh, Sauron, who is actually right in front of her. Right, the elves are actually face an existential threat, right? They're, they're dying out. Um, the, uh, the, the, um, uh, 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 so the fears are, are real, right? Or at least the reason for the fears are real. So, so um, what, what guidance do you think the Jewish tradition has about, okay, like the, the fear may be based on a real thing, um, but we shouldn't, succumb to people who try to exploit those fears because? Well, I I think when we live in fear, we become um, a worse version of ourselves, the worst version of ourselves, right? Kol ha'ulam kulo gesher tzarmaod veha'ikar lo lefachet klal. Right. That that as Reb Nachman said, that, that the whole world is a very narrow bridge, but the essence of this world is that we shall not live in fear. Um, right. Meaning, what does it mean that the world is a very narrow bridge? Means that the whole world is a is a scary place. Um, that that every experience that we have, um, we have reason to be scared. Uh, uh, to bring it to current events, right? When you have a um, music star, rapper, um, reality TV star, fashion mogul who is spewing such anti-Semitic hatred in, in Kanye West um, and, and trying to defend it uh, to some Jews, 
that is, you know, scary. Um, and oh my God, what's going on? Um, that he actually has more Twitter followers than there are Jews in this world. Um, right. and, and to others, it's just another day living in this world because um, hatred and bigotry is, is a, a part of this reality um, from day one. And the question is, do we live in fear? Because if we live in fear, then we make decisions based on our fears. When we make decisions based on our fears, then I would say we make decisions that are not in our best interest or in the best interest of humanity or in the best interest in God, uh, of God, who we strive to be a partner with in creation. Uh, but we make uh, decisions that are selfish and often cruel against one part of humanity. Right. I, I think that that's a really good point. Uh, it reminds me of something I learned from uh, the author Parker Palmer this summer. He he notes that uh, throughout the Torah, um, although I think he called it scriptures, uh, the uh, were, were commanded uh, uh, versions of altira, uh, you know, do not be afraid. Or he, he translates it as, as be not afraid. And he says, like, that doesn't mean don't have fear, because there are sometimes things that are um, are, are important to actually be afraid of because you need to defend yourself against them, right? Like real threats. Uh, fear is a, 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 an evolutionary biological response to, uh, to, to you know, uh, when there's a saber-toothed tiger coming at you, you are going to want to either run away from it uh, or try to fight back against it, right? So uh, fear is, is, is a useful emotion, but he says, he inter interprets it as be not afraid. Do not be your fear. Do not let your fear take over who you are. And the antidote to that 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 the Torah often gives, right, is uh, is is to live in faith, to live in purpose, right. So don't let the don't let your fear dictate the direction of your life, the 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 direction of your actions, because as you said, you can be it can be easily manipulated, uh, and it can and it can manifest. In in, uh, in 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 cruelty and malice and, and all sorts of uh, negative behaviors, but if you hold fast to, to to purpose and move forward in purpose, right? Sometimes you might need to recognize the fear as a part of that process. Um, but you know, so so Galadriel is a really good example in this in this series because she sees it as her purpose to uh, to to uh, to find, capture, defeat Sauron. And make sure that he uh, doesn't have the ability to uh, rise and uh, and spread his evil over the face of the earth. That's actually a noble purpose. She's pursuing justice. Um, but what we realize in the course of the of of the season is that her pursuit of justice um, uh, 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 is so relentless that it it turns her inside. Right. So it it, it corrupts her from within. She's she she no longer cares how she pursues it, so long as she achieves the ends that she wants. Um, uh, she uh, she's willing to commit atrocities uh, in order to uh, uh, you know she's willing to commit genocide against the orcs, right? That that is what comes out, right? That uh, uh, in order to uh, pursue that that purpose, um, she is manipulated by Sauron, the very person that she wants to defeat, because of her uh, her, her she's blinded by that. Uh, by that, you know, single-minded pursuit. Um, so, uh, uh, so that I think is something that the show invites us to think about and to consider about uh, about how um, even our worthy 
interests, our worthy um, uh, instincts can be corrupted if we're uh, approaching them uh, uh, from a fear-based perspective rather than a faith-based perspective. We end our liturgy with Adon Olam, right? The final words that we say is Adonai Levaloi Ra, right? right? That if God is with me, I shall not fear. Um, what I find so interesting in these fantasy worlds, uh, we see this in like Lord of the Rings, we see this in Star Wars, we, we, we see this in, in uh, comic book movie adaptions. Uh, the idea of God and, and the divine is not the same, right? They have an idea of many gods, uh, a mythology of gods um, as a higher being, but not uh, God as creator, God as um, our partner. Uh, and the idea of Adonai Levaloi Ra, that God is beside me, not God is above me, but God is beside me, and thus I shall not fear. I'm not sure it exists in the, this reality, exists in, in uh, uh, Middle Earth. And, and as a result, uh, I think that these characters allow fear to guide them. But the truth is, in the world that we live in, we allow fear to, to guide us. Um, that so many of the decisions that people make every day uh, decisions that we think are crazy, decisions that we think are bigoted, decisions that we think are hateful are uh, out of fear, right? Fear that their lives will be different, fear that life, that the world is changing, uh, fear that um, how that will impact them personally. Um, and I would argue without a, a, a faith uh, routine, a spiritual practice in your life, um, fear is a real common threat. Right, so I would I would I would uh, slightly disagree with that analysis um, in, in in two directions. The first is, you know, I don't read that uh, last line of Adon Alam or the or or you know statements like it within Jewish tradition. Um, and and this is reading it uh, perhaps against the grain or or against what was intended by the authors. That I don't believe uh, in a theology, and I, I suspect you don't either, Jesse. So it's you know I feel like we're in, we're in safe company to talk about this. I don't believe in a theology that says you know if if only if I just believe in God, nothing bad can happen to me, right? I, I don't think it's I don't think it's saying that. No, I don't um, think I, it's saying that either. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I suspect you you would agree with that. Um, I think what it's saying is um, if I hold fast to uh, to 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 my high values and my sense of uh, purpose in the world that is represented by uh, by uh, by uh, by a, by a faith in God. Um, then then I don't need then 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 I uh, so long as I do that, I'm not at risk of succumbing to the to to uh, to the worst uh, impacts of 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 my fears. And I think that that is present in a, a, a universe like Tolkien's. Um, I think about you know what what Samwise Gamgee, the uh, you know B uh, Frodo's uh, companion uh, on his journey to destroy the Ring in Mordor. Um, Sam is really, I think, the hero in, in many ways of, of the Lord of the Rings, and he says this amazing line. He says, you know, like Frodo's like, why don't we just give up? Like we're, the odds are overwhelming. We're going to die in this mission, right? Um, why why are you sticking with me, Sam? Like just go home. And Sam says. Because there's good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. And that I think is what is what I read in statements like Adonai Li Loi Ra, right? Sure. That, that that if we hold fast to what we're called to do in the world, we have um, the opportunity to still see blessings, to still find blessings. Right. 
Um, we have the opportunity to uh, still give gratitude, to still find light in the darkness. It, it's um, uh, what uh, Harold Kushner talked about, that uh, God is the calm in a world full of chaos. Yeah. Right? The default may be fear. Right? But if we do not fear, then we're able to find God and find God's blessings. And, and that, I think, is, you know, the, the arc of, of Gladriel, what I hope is going to be the arc of Gladriel in the story, although I'm not so sure. Uh, uh, but, you know, this idea that, um, you know, uh, uh, is, is her motivate, you know, what the, the transformation of her motivation, is there going to be an arc of transformation in her motivation? Right? She's, is she hunting Sauron? First of all, for vengeance, right? But, but, but to defeat evil. Or is it to advance good? And those are, I think, two really different orientations to the world. I think that if you know, you can you can advance good by defeating evil, um, and you can uh, 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 defeat evil in uh, uh, in order to advance good. But I think that the question is, what what is your what is your overarching purpose? It seems in this first season, her overarching purpose is to destroy all evil, right? And uh, and I think that the that the uh, moral worldview of uh, of Tolkien, which I think is also something that I you know find very Jewish about that worldview, um, is that um, is is that our orientation should be advancing good, which sometimes requires us to confront and defeat evil. Um, and I think that that you know it's it's a subtle difference, but I think it makes all the difference. I think that's fair. I think I think that that is fair, um, and I I think it's uh, up to our listeners now to uh, decide how are uh, each of us going to strive to do good in order to defeat evil um, and, and uh, add more goodness in our lives. Let us know what you thought of the show. It's okay if you didn't like it. I didn't either. It doesn't mean that you're an internet troll, uh, or maybe you are a Tolkien fanboy like Mike over here. Uh, and uh, and and you're excited to see what happens in the next season where these characters go over here. We have a lot more rings of power to forge uh, and a lot more of Middle Earth to uh, to, to cover in darkness. Uh, so um, it's going to be an interesting ride over the next five years or so. Stay tuned. And until next time, I'm Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. Take care.